Welcome everyone to another edition of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. Insert Fran going mania, 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 mania. She's not here right now, but she'll be here shortly to welcome our special guest. Who's here? Senator Jennifer McClellan. Yay! (laughs) Yay. Welcome back. What district do you represent? Uh, Nine. So I am in parts of the city of Richmond, Henrico, all of Charles City County, and the town of Ashland and Hanover. All right. You got a lot going on there. Yes. (laughs) Oh, and we got a lot going on in general this session. Yes. How long do you guys run? So uh, we started on Wednesday, January 8th. It is a 60-day session, so we are scheduled to adjourn on Saturday, March 7th. No holidays. No holidays. You have got a little bit of an advantage uh, this time around, seeing as how the Democrats now have control of both houses. Yes, for the first time in 26 years, we have... The House, the Senate, and the governorship trifecta. Yeah. So last, I was in college the last time. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations to you guys. So I think that, that that definitely puts a, you know, a bigger spotlight on y'all's issues yes. that you guys are focusing on. Well, let's start off with what's your number one issue for you? Um, session. I mean, my number one issue for this session and always is education, public education in particular, I would say pre-K, sort of early childhood uh, through 12th grade is my number one priority, but education as a whole. And so I have a number of bills. I'd say my two main priorities there are fully funding our public education needs. I have, you know, continuing to break the school to prison pipeline and then strengthening and expanding our early childhood education system so that more children can get ahead because what we've really seen is the achievement gap starts before kindergarten. Well, uh, how do you feel about the governor's proposed budget for education? It's a good start, but I have uh, put in a bill and a budget amendment that well two really (laughs) it's about a billion dollars short really so Hmm. I have one budget amendment that would fully fund the SOQs recommended by the Department of Education is about a half a billion dollars and then I have another budget amendment which I've put in I think three years in a row now that would lift the cap on support personnel, the the portion that the state will pay, and that's another half a billion dollars. And so, and, and I know that getting them both passed is going to be a challenge, but I think it is important to quantify here is how much we're falling short on meeting our full K-12 needs. So, um, and I think that's an important conversation to have. Do you know of anyone who has any papers or initiatives uh, coming forward to kind of bolster our community college? Yes, the governor. So uh, his budget does include his his G3 initiative, which is um, get an education, get a job, give back. Uh, and so it would be uh, free community college, particularly for uh, first generation students, uh, sort of at risk students, if you are 
seeking credentials in a high need field like early childhood education, among others. And if you sort of agree to give back to the, your community either by, you know, there's some I have I can't remember the exact specifics on the on the give back piece, but for example, if you're going to be, I think this is, this would be a good example is if you're going to be an early childhood education teacher in an, an area with a lot of at risk uh, three and four year olds. That that my guess is that would count, but I, I I need to read those details on that piece. Yeah, I think that kind of bolstering our community college system yes. and promoting it is a really good thing because it's actually really fantastic. We it have is. a pretty stellar community college system. I'm not sure everybody realizes that that's a really great pathway. If you you can go there, you can use it as a jumping off point. Anything we can do to shout that out. Absolutely. Probably should have asked you in the beginning, but what committees are you on? Oh, so we I got two that I kept from before so I will still be on the transportation committee and the agriculture conservation and natural resources I have picked up finance mm. so I will have a say and exciting yeah I'm very excited <laughs> uh, a lot of work but yeah excited what we have renamed the judiciary it's the old course of justice committee now it's mm. the judiciary and privileges and elections so three very important uh, committees. I'm very excited to wow, be on. Well, let's talk a little bit about transportation. Okay. All right. What you got going on there? Because high-speed rail. Yes. Uh, so I have a study that would ask the Department of Rail and Public Transportation to look at the feasibility of an east-west Commonwealth corridor passenger rail service that would connect uh, Hampton Roads, Richmond, and the New River Valley. So you hear a lot about rail up and down the I-95 corridor, but we also have significant rail needs from the port through to the valley. So, And there's a budget amendment to, to put to go with that uh, to sort of begin the process of, of doing that passenger rail service. So that's, that's probably the biggest, my top priority of, of my transportation bills. There is a bill that I believe Delegate McQuinn is carrying in the House that I'm, I'm co-sponsoring that would create a Central Virginia Transportation Authority. So you remember in two, 2013, we created a Northern Virginia Transportation District and a Hampton Roads Transportation District. But back then, we couldn't even get Henrico, Chesterfield, and Richmond to talk about do you want one here? But now, over the past year, the region has really done a good job of coming together and talking about, yes, we want one, and, and here's how it would work. So uh, we're going to be working on that to, to, to have funding that would help our transportation needs here um, and that would focus not just on road projects, but transit and maintenance. So, yeah. Would that include anything for Richmond, for GRTC? Yes. Helping yeah. Stuff out? Yeah. Yeah. Be GR- yeah. That would be great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. I mean, even though it is uh, starting to improve, we have a long ways to go, honestly, in making sure that everyone has access to public transit and um, that it all runs smoothly and on time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anything else in that arena? <laughs> Those are the big ones that I'm working on. You know, I think there's a big conversation about long-term transportation funding needs. Um, you know, we prim- primarily rely on the gas tax, yeah. which... Um, long-term is not sustainable as we move to fuel efficiency and electric cars or not driving at all. And so I think the governor has has some proposals in his budget to deal with that. But um, for here in this area, I think, I think that Central Virginia authority is probably the most important thing. And, and the rail, the rail project are the two most important things. Um, when it comes to the rail project, wasn't there some kind of pushback in the Ashland area for a while, too, about having rail come through? Or has that been resolved? Well, 
it has it was a little different so there they were looking at um we need to expand capacity and the governor did announce recently we the commonwealth is acquiring rail from csx but part of that discussion was adding a third track mm-hmm. and it would have to go either through right now the track goes through downtown ashland part of my district yeah mm-hmm. yeah um and so the question was do you add a third rail through the middle of of ashland or do you do a western bypass and that's that's pretty much been resolved that they'll do a third rail i think basically up to ashland and then kind of pick up so it's 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 and between that and getting the land from csx i think that's the north south mm-hmm. corridor but um again my bill is is hampton to to uh, New Vera Valley, which we we have a long way to go on that, but that would be really essential. So yes, I'm glad to hear that's on the table. At yeah, least. yeah. Well, as we're talking about um, getting folks out of cars and the public transit, how do you think Virginia is doing when it comes to uh, climate initiatives, environmental issues? We're behind. We are we are behind, and I got a bill for that. All right. <laughs> like the theme of today's show should be like we got a bill for that. But that's great. Um, so I am. Um, sponsoring the what we're calling the Virginia Clean Energy Act that has four components. Um, but before I spell that out, let's just sort of context. Right now, about 60% of electricity generated by Dominion and APCO is from natural gas. Coal's pretty much gone away. You know, roughly 25 to 28% is nuclear. And we just don't have enough solar or wind right now to, to, to change that. So what this bill would do is it has four parts. One, it would set a mandatory re- uh, clean energy standard where 100% of the energy generated used to generate electricity would have to be from clean energy sources by 2050. It sets benchmarks mm-hmm. along the way, but that in and of itself is not going to get us there because you need to have more clean energy available. So the second piece is it has some energy efficiency goals and we use sort of a carrot and stick approach where we say to Dominion and APCO, you need to put in energy efficiency programs that will reduce the load by about 2% a year. If you, if you don't do that, we won't let you build any new projects to generate electricity. If you do do that, we will make sure you recover the cost of those energy efficiency programs. So that will help sort of make sure we're dealing with the demand side. We, it would have Virginia join REGI, the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, mm-hmm. which in and of itself has carbon redu- reduction goals and emission goals um, that help to get us towards that 100%. And then finally, it, ha- it basically removes a lot of the barriers to rooftop solar, or for you energy nerds, distributed solar, <laughs> <laughs> and, and helps with investment in offshore wind. So very big the boldest thing we've you know if we pass this bill it'll be the boldest thing we've done in uh, a generate ever (laughs) (laughs) and we are so far behind that I think this will just ramp us up uh, pretty quickly Um, so that's sort of on the energy generation how do we break our reliance on fossil fuels Mm -hmm. we've we've got some environmental justice 
uh, proposals. And I would say as part of my bill, it requires environmental justice impacts on a lot of, of sort of all of these new projects that would happen to get us more towards solar and, and, and away from natural gas. We have uh, bills to reestablish the environment, codify an environmental justice um, advisory board. It's not final yet, but uh, I, I am really concerned at a lack of transparency, a lack of notice, a lack of public awareness about a lot of the projects that, that we've heard about in the past few years. Mm -hmm. And so I'm working on a bill that would uh, increase opportunity for hearings or public comment um, or notice requirements um, to, to try to just get more transparency in the process. So I think, and then, you know, there's a lot in the budget on cleaning up Chesapeake Bay, investments on that. So th I think those are the big ones. I was wondering about any kind of like clean water initiatives or anything. Yes, 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 like yes, that. yes, yeah. Yeah. So that's good to know. Love clean water. Yes. <laughs> Lord, especially. Need clean water. Yes. Yeah. Want to talk about healthcare? Yeah, let's move on to healthcare. I think that's a good one. So let's go there. That is super important yes. to our citizens around here because it seems to me, as somebody who helped somebody go through the healthcare marketplace yes. this time, that it gets more and more difficult every year. Yes. Well, got a bill for that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? So uh, I'm carrying a bill to create a state-based health exchange. All right. And get us out of the federal exchange. And I, you know, back when the Affordable Care Act first passed, I'd say probably all of the Democrats, but you know, I definitely thought we should have had a state-based exchange then because the the current occupant of the White House is doing everything he can to destabilize the market, whether it's not advertising open enrollment or, you know, just everything under the sun to try to, to, to kill it. And, and this way, if we have a state-based exchange, there's a little bit more predictability. There's a little bit more access. You've got the State Corporation Commission who is regulating and controlling it. If you've got questions or concerns, you can go there rather than having to go to um, the federal government. So I think that's one one component that, that, that should help. Um, another big issue is balanced billing or surprise billing. Mm. Um, for if you've ever gone, this mostly happens with the emergency room, not exclusively, um, but uh, sometimes just general surgery. But you go to the emergency room and one of the doctors in the emergency room or the anesthesiologist or radiology or someone's not in network. And later you get a bill that says, here's what the insurance company paid and here's what you owe. Huge issue. No real, you know, consumers are confused because they're like, you know, I thought this was covered. Yeah, and I mean, how how can you choose to say you've got a surgeon that's in network or whatever? How are you going you, to right. um, say, well, how about your anesthesiologist is yeah, fit with like me? That, like, like, how that, can I'm not going to ask that? that when I'm ready. Right. Uh, I can honestly say I've never asked that question when yeah, I've been no. in the emergency room. And so I have a bill that, and this is an issue that we've been fighting for a few years, the the docs have one view, uh, the docs in the hospitals, the providers have one view, the insurance companies have another view. Because I think everybody, under, it's all about the reimbursement rate mm -hmm. for the, the out-of-network provider. And so I have a bill that sort of is the, the provider's point of view. Um, and so we'll fight that battle again this year. And then on uh, sort of abortion care and reproductive health, mm -hmm. um, I have a bill that will remove the, the you know, sort of top barriers to access uh, that include sort of the 24-hour waiting period and the ultrasound and the way the informed consent is required now, the trap regulations that 
basically say like your deals with treats a clinic as if it were a hospital the requirement like right now there's a requirement that only a physician uh, can perform the procedure whereas there are other medical procedures where um, uh, nurse practitioners uh, could could do it and so we would get rid of that requirement and uh, so that's those are sort of the biggest barriers and uh, so this bill would get rid of those well I'm gonna let Fran in okay (laughs) hey come on have a seat we just finished talking about how oh, good. I've been out there for a few minutes. Cool. <laughs> I was waiting for a pause in the conversation and I was like, Excellent. I know you would feel bad, yeah. But because you and I recently, we've been talking about the opioid crisis and how, um, you know, the prescription. racism in medicine. Right, exactly. So, anyway, yeah, do you have any thoughts on that, friend? Yeah. Hey, y'all. Sorry. Hey. I'd like to see a lot of things change this year and I hope that that's one of them and I hope that we get. A bunch of courageous people not just one or two but i hope that the ga flips upside down with some type of great re- grand response to something because i know every time i see any type of headline especially that atrocious one from last week mm-hmm. about <laughs> you know if black people were getting prescribed opioids at the same rates that white people would be were getting prescribed opioids you'd all be dead and it's like yeah but that's a whole nother issue right that we should be mm-hmm. talking about like hashtag racism in medicine and we're not getting prescribed them it's not because you don't think we feel pain but you literally dehumanize us and so it's like <laughs> you come in you say i'm in pain and they don't believe you right and it, it's like if we had half half the level of empathy Um, Mm -hmm. that we have for the opioid crisis that we had for crack, we'd be in a different place as a society. And so I hope that there's a a huge rush to talk about that and also talk about the disparities that are coming out of even some of the actions and legislation that is, you know, in response to the opioid crisis where there's still major pieces of our society, people in our society, chunks of our community that get overlooked because they're the wrong demographic and they happen to use a drug that our society's not sympathetic to. Yeah. And that's the part that's like infuriating. For yeah. Me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, Fran, hmm? Jen's got a bill for everything. I know she does. <laughs> bill, she always has a bill for everything. I was peeking through some of the like things that you've had over the past years to see what you were going to try to revisit or yep. like bring back to life or like. Frankenstein in a different way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easier. You're like, you know what? You heard it last year. I'm going to sprinkle some sprinkles on this, and we're going to do this again and see what happens, right? Yes. That's important, though. I think that people. one thing people can't say is that Jen is not out here putting stuff out there because, you know, you might not be jumping on top of the tabletops, you know, screaming it, but you're putting the work in, and it's it's out there. Oh, thank you. You got something in all the spaces. And that's super important. And the fact that you continue to come back and put it back and put it back and put it back (laughs) and put it back. Yes. Yes, you do. I think the last time you came on, we talked about when you have something that you want to get to your, you know, your representatives, you need to do it early. Yes. Yes. Before the session, please. Yeah, it's too late now, people. (laughs) Don't be. Yeah, it's too late now. It is. It it literally is too late. Like today at Mm -hmm. five o'clock was the deadline for any bills to be to, to request bills to be drafted yeah and and it's yeah literally. it's too late now and so this is the time for everybody to actually pull um those lists and start looking at who's you know doing what 
and now this the the piece that we're we need to put people into is the lobbying piece yep Mm -hmm. um spin into that piece and if you still are adamant about you know having you know whatever it is that you want put into a bill then you know give midway through the session and then start going to you know people it's too late to try to slide it in now but you know well, wait, yeah, wait till we're out of session. Yeah, right. <laughs> but don't ask. ask us about 2021 bills until yeah. like till we're out. Till we're out. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot. But now is lobbying time, so yeah. now it's like jump and into things action. move fast. I mean, mm-hmm. on the, we already like yesterday we heard ERA and committee mm-hmm. and reported that out. The Education and Health Committee mm-hmm. met and had some bills like. Course of Justice is going to meet mm-hmm. Monday. Like we Quick on the Senate, yeah, hurry. on the Senate side especially. Like we get right to work. MLK Day is coming up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's always big for y'all. Yes, <laughs> I think it's going to be even bigger this time. I think so. We're expecting some up. some guests. Yes. Yeah, and already showing up. I've been getting them in my mailbox. Oh from yeah. my neighbor by accident. Oh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And so uh, traditionally, MLK Day is the day where all of the the gun stuff comes up. What are we expecting this year? Which is highly ironic because MLK was the second. There will there uh, will not be any gun bills heard on MLK Day. Yes, we're taking that day back. Um, Excellent. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. that's kind of crazy. Yeah, there'll be a few actually. There the Judiciary go. Committee will have a handful on Monday, sort of the top priority okay. bills. You know, they're, they're the one handgun a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to see if I can pull up the... Because, you know, you need one handgun a month. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Apparently so, there are people in the world that buy guns more than I purchase underwear. Oh, I didn't realize well, that that was a thing. I think... Yeah. But it's a thing. We got to seriously talk about gun safety, gun stuff. And we are. Yeah. So I think one handgun a month, universal background checks are going to be heard, I think, Monday. So if nerd tip, yeah. <laughs> um, on the Legislative Services website, and that is lis.virginia.gov, there is a um, link called meetings. And if you pull that up, it gives you the list of meetings and you can pull the agenda um, for meetings, and I'm I'm pretty sure the court's one is up right now, but there are about three or four sort of high-priority gun safety bills that will be heard on Monday morning uh, starting at 8 a.m. And, you know, the good news is if you can't make it down to watch us, it is live-streamed from the General Assembly website. Uh, yes, it Excellent. is. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Love that access. So I think on the House side, you know, it took them a little longer to get their committees in place. They renamed their committee now as, I think, uh, the Public Safety Committee will hear them. Their first full meeting is, is next Friday, so they may hear some then. But they're, they're, these bills are not going to be heard on MLK Day. Good. Yeah. Yes, finally. But, but none of these gun bills that are coming up are, we're going to take your guns, right? <laughs> no. No, I mean, but I wish they were. <laughs> I mean, sorry. you know, well, we're, we're, look, sorry, so not sorry. We, one of the bills we have, the red flag law, basically says if you are subject to a permanent protective order. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are subject to a permanent protective order, a court, after a hearing, has found that you are likely to be a danger to yourself or someone else, mm-hmm. then you've got to confiscate your guns. We've already got a law in place that if you're subject to a domestic violence protective order, 
you have to surrender your gun. So yeah, if under certain circumstances, you should you know. But, the, but we're not going to come. Y'all aren't going to be going your door to door, yeah. door right with well, a yeah. basket. No. Oh man. <laughs> gun collection. No. Pass the collection plate. No. I know that that's always that's always the fear fear of the second no. amendment folks and i'm just like come on y'all why are why would anybody be against common sense gun legislation i'm not i'm not understanding that it's also the country of slavery <laughs> i mean it, it goes on and on it's so deep there's it's a lot so of, deep. there's a lot of things that don't make sense but, yes you know well, since we're in the realm of public safety do you have anything else maybe that you want to talk about in that uh in that region Yes. Okay. So <laughs> uh, I am co-sponsoring a bill that would reinstate discretionary parole. Ah, yes. Yes. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. 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 Need um, it. Yes. And um, and then I also have, every, like, every year my fishback mm-hmm. bill. Yeah. We talked Yay. about it last year. And uh, I have a bill to study uh, legalization of marijuana. There are a lot of decrim bills. Mm-hmm. Um, I think legalization versus decrim of simple possession, I think legalization is better, but I'm not sure we have the systems and processes in place to like do that right now. So what this, and, and, um, we definitely don't have the systems and processes in place to go to full blown yeah. legalization. And so what this bill would do is basically ask Jay Lark to study what other states have done, but also have a criminal justice component so that you're looking at how a criminal justice component and a community equity component so that it's basically how do we make sure that Buffy and Biff are not becoming millionaires off of what Sasha and Tupac I use Tupac just because like Mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. popped into my head Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm because he's Tupac um you know went to are still in jail for Mm -hmm. right how do you address those communities that were impacted by the war on drugs. We've got so many people sitting in prison for a little baggie. Yes. And that is wholly unfair. Yeah. So so this bill would, would sort of say, because everybody agrees we need to figure out how to do legalization before we do legalization but this bill would say mm. we're go- yeah we're going <laughs> let's make to make sure we do it right y'all. I do it right but it's but it's let's let's really do it right and let's do it in a way that is addressing the sort of historic inequity and mass incarceration i've been following this and i've seen different variations of this bill 55 sex offenders in emergency shelters i've been following that to see where that's going to go to i've seen a pre something previously come up before similar i'm just interested in knowing what what's going to become of that because that's totally a people don't think about that but we have some of our most vulnerable in society going into emergency shelters and even now i don't know if this one is going to cover it but think about somebody going into a shelter and they don't know you know that there's a person there that could be a sex offender and they're not notified and this person sometimes could you know if you it's hard because if you're homeless and you need somewhere to go or you you know and you tell you're going to be judged, but you got to have somewhere to go to. And so this bill is going to protect those people as well to make sure that um, those sex offenders don't get denied service, Mm -hmm. but also that the people that are in the uh, shelters are also protected as well. And I think that's a gap 
that we don't always think about in society? Honestly, I'll tell you, I haven't ever thought of it. Yeah. It doesn't come up. Well, that bill's come up before. Yeah, and has. And I think the problem, the reason it hasn't passed before is it, it is there was a discomfort and that it didn't strike that balance mm-hmm. that, you know, we as we as a government have to have to try to protect everybody. And you can't have a world where... And particularly given, in some cases, sex offenders include, like, you sexted, Mm -hmm. you know? That's different. (laughs) So sort of just making sure that you're not leaving people vulnerable Mm -hmm. on that, you know? On um, either side of the fence. It's a a difficult subject. Very difficult, yeah. Yeah, but I'm glad that it's back up again. Where do you want to go next, ma'am? Fran, you choose. I'm hoping that... This one that I see about school resource officers and school security is what I think it is. And I believe that it is. Yes. Because that's another issue. Like, our schools are filled with retired police officers and or off-duty police or, or whatever. And we have a policing issue in this country in the first place. And then you put people in, we recognize that we have, you know, an issue with that. And then in a place where we are majority, minority in public schools Mm -hmm. and you have resource officers you know in the school and that just that the training bill Mm -hmm. yeah i Mm -hmm. so there are two issues the the other issue is children's brains are different yeah and you can't treat them like criminals or adults they don't have have a handle on complex emotions yeah you know Mm -mm. yeah but i mean it just kind of leads to school to prison pipeline like if you think Cops are trained to think in terms of perps and victims. And so if I put you, if I put this person who's trained to look at situations in a certain way with someone who, like you said, does not have a fully developed, mature brain, who does not function like an adult, and they shouldn't be treated like one, nor a criminal, you know, they're kids, right? Children. And because we have such a high amount of police officers as resource officers there you know it's just like write them up and kick them out instead of other remedial things that could happen and so i'm glad that training bill is there because we definitely need that yeah well and it's also like kids brains are different kids brains with certain certain conditions are Mm -hmm. different and and what's scary and a lot of people don't understand and school resource officers aren't necessarily trained on one in five kids have some condition from autism you know, someone on the spectrum adhd add uh sensory processing issues and all of those issues start to man- manifest themselves as young as three and so you may have someone exhibiting behavior not out of defiance mm-hmm. but because they're trying to cope exactly and if if you're if you're if it's not just frankly it's not just school resource officers if every adult in that Teachers, building yeah, that deals with that child doesn't have some awareness of that that's part of what has led to the increase of referring kids to law enforcement and i put we talked about it last year but my bill to get rid of the disorderly conduct in a school or school sponsored event um, misdemeanor i put that that was the first bill i filed Excellent. Mm-hmm. It's going to be heard Monday. Voting. We haven't talked about voting. No. What you got going on there? So uh, there'll be a lot of bills to remove barriers to voting. So get ridding, getting rid of the voter ID requirement, no excuse absentee voting. Mm. Um, I think there are bills. Uh, I think there's a bill for, I'm pretty sure there is, same day registration, um, really getting rid of a lot of the, the barriers to voting. 
why are we still telling people that their vote, their choice is not okay with us? Or because well, no. this country started I on know it. how who can vote and why they can vote and what their vote. Don't means. you think it's time to move past that, girl? It ain't my choice. <laughs> <laughs> I vote all the time. It's not my choice. Yeah. Well, I think we got the votes to fix a lot of that. And then we did bipartisan redistricting, redistricting reform. There's, there's. So this is the second year for the constitutional amendment, which deals with who draws the lines. I think equally important is the rules that apply, uh, if not more important, frankly, is 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 what rules apply to drawing the districts. So I've got a bill that would put criteria in place that that would take that would protect um, sort of the values of the Voting Rights Act would also say districts have to be compact contiguous keep communities of interest together avoid split precincts and split jurisdictions to the extent possible and would count prisoners in their last known residence not where they're incarcerated because you have these districts where oh yeah <laughs> you got a lot of people in jail, like a jail and, and they can't vote yes, right they can't right. vote but they're right. they're counted yes they're counted oh it's so i i listened to a podcast on that my mouth blow i mean they should be counted let me let's back up they should be counted but they should be counted if they're going to be able to vote yeah but they, well they should be counted at their last known residence, residence not yeah. where they're incarcerated is. because yeah. they're not they can't vote there right i'd have to find that podcast it was really good if i find it i'll post it under in the like comments uh, when we post the show but I listened to a podcast and it was on this and it was mind blowing how some of the there's representatives that get over with all kinds of shenanigans because they have major jails that are in their jurisdiction and there's very little like there was one story in particular and the jail was basically like 80% black people and the surrounding county that it was in was all white and it was just like astounding what this representative was doing Never goes to the jail, never does anything for the people. This is the craziest thing. Well, didn't you know that once you're incarcerated, you're not a person anymore? Girl. <laughs> well, no, this one gives good. me a chuckle uh, uh, that the penalty of adultery is getting uh, reduced from a <laughs> class four misdemeanor to a civil penalty of not more than $250. That no one's going to ever what? charge. <laughs> 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 I'm just like, that why is that so even a thing? Because adults being stupid, I don't like know. that's personal and stupid. I don't know. It just gives well, me Well, I mean, chuckle. I'm sure that we've got a lot of, you know, <laughs> stupid, chucklesome. Trust me, somebody's suing somebody. Somebody's charging somebody <laughs> with that. Please. <laughs> oh, man. Fran over here just going through, what's the weirdest so bill weird. I can find? Say it's not weird. That is so weird. <laughs> well, while Fran's looking for some more weird stuff. <laughs> to talk about how about we talk about housing because yeah, oh yes we have a, a major housing crisis issue in the richmond area and i'm i'm curious how it is uh virginia wide because we have a lot of people paying like 30 percent of their income on housing oh. we have a lot of market rate housing going up here and uh, not a lot of what you want to label affordable, affordable yeah. yeah um we have evictions left yeah. and right what are you doing in that realm so a few things the first is I have a statute to rewrite the affordable dwelling unit or exclusionary zoning mm. enabling legislation. So exclusionary zoning has sort of been a tool local governments can use to incentivize uh, the the building of affordable housing. And but the way the law there 
the way the law is now is so cumbersome it's not really worth doing Mm -hmm. except for a handful of localities in northern virginia and so we basically tried to go back to the drawing board and say let's have something that makes sense (laughs) yeah so that's sort of the big thing um i also have uh sort of an anti-nimby bill that um does two things one it makes it an it, it prohibits localities from basing their zoning and land use decisions on, uh, among other things, units are going to be affordable. So you can't you can't deny a project just because it's going to include affordable housing. Oh, by the way, it also applies, says you can't do that based on all the other protected classes because we noticed in the code, like, they're not mm-hmm. expressly prohibited, which is crazy. So we're going to do that. Um, and then I have a package of, of bills from the city uh, to try to give them a few more tools to help incentivize affordable housing. One deals with the, and the easiest one to explain, deals with the tax rate allows them to do different tax rates on land and and buildings Mm -hmm. to sort of help reduce the burden on property owners and i uh think there's sort of a couple of other things that they have and then money Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean the big thing is money always yeah because the reason we have an affordable housing crisis is because the cost to build housing has not kept up with wages so you've got to subsidize one size or side or the other and so there is more money in the governor's budget for the housing trust fund jeff Bourne has a bill that would prohibit landlords from denying renters solely based on affordability so you can't deny someone because they're paying with a section 8 voucher for example right. um yeah so those are those are a few uh, a few of the housing bills the economy jobs Mm -hmm. minimum wage Mm. where are we with the minimum wage this session we're gonna raise it oh yes please to what eventually you know eventually 15 yeah and i think there are different bills to say you know how fast and how much in between but Mm -hmm. i mean we're gonna pass one of them and i have a i have a domestic workers bill of rights that would among other things um so right now domestic workers are excluded from the minimum wage Uh and this bill would get rid of that exemption Mm. so So right now yeah right now among other i'm probably gonna forget some but domestic workers farm workers uh tipped workers i was gonna say tipped workers is probably Mm -hmm. the largest class I, that I can think of. Yeah. Because what do they make? What, like $2.13 an hour or something ridiculous something like, like that? that? And then yeah. they... Three or four dollars. You know, have to rely on tips. And yeah. I've seen the way some of y'all tip. Y'all I know, right? Shame. <laughs> you should be ashamed yeah. of the way you should always tip at, tip at least 20%. Right? Just do it. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, sort of economic justice, I'll call it. So, yeah, we're, okay. we're going to have a... Um, so, I'm carrying a pregnant, pregnant Worker Fairness Act that would um, sort of provide more protections for pregnant women to seek accommodations in the workplace and give them a cause of action to sue. If you fire me because I get pregnant. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's still happening, or or for asking for special accommodation because you know uh, you know a man who may have hernia surgery um, may get mm-hmm. a, an accommodation because you know he can't lift something over a certain yeah or you know get to sit down yeah and then uh, his paid family medical leave mm-hmm. bill mm-hmm. is back and we've got bills to repeal bans on project labor agreements we've got 
bills prohibiting retaliation against employees who um, who pursue collecting unpaid wages, sort of wage theft bills, um, bills to deal with uh, reclassification of workers. There's a proposal to make the earned income tax credit fully refundable, which we tried to do last year and couldn't. Uh, we've got some predatory lending bills to try to curb yes, please. Uh, predatory so. lenders. Because that is still... A major issue. Mm. Yes. Ugh. Everywhere you see the signs. Everywhere. Yes. We've got the Crown Act that would ban discrimination against black women for wearing their hair naturally. Yes. <laughs> seriously. Seriously. Yes. yes. We've got bills banning discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. I have one for housing. We've got another one for employment. I was about to say, are there any like trans rights? Yeah. Oh, I see a bunch of those. Yeah. yeah. A couple of those. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, there's also um, one that would add uh, prohibit discrimination in public accommodations. So, yeah. That's Let's just step. prohibit discrimination. Seriously. Y'all. Yeah. Live and let live. I agree. I'm just saying. Yes. I love the fact that it's called the Crown Act. <laughs> yes. Oop, that crown on. Yes. All right, Queens. What about the ERA? ERA. We're going to do it. Yeah, we're going to do it. I do it. So it got out of. Uh, about damn time. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just saying. It should be voted out of the Senate uh, next week, Wednesday or so. Okay. Uh, we should vote on it. Now, somebody was trying to tell me that, that I saw somebody posting something, and it was like, Virginia can't vote on it anyway. It's like too late. Yeah. Have we what is that? hit the, the statute of limitations on this? Like, no. what does it mean? So Congress, when they passed it, put a deadline on it supposedly mm -hmm. but the deadline is not in the amendment itself there were mm -hmm. amendments that were passed where the deadline was in the amendment itself this one was in the resolution uh, so I, I would argue and as a matter of fact there's a lawsuit going on right now where a lot of mm -hmm. smarter people are arguing there is no grounds in, for a deadline right um but assuming for argument's sake they can the congress could put one and they can also lift it and so um okay. there is a bill in congress to lift it right now um so i think you know we may have a lawsuit but it's gonna happen yay finally 100 years later <laughs> just saying dang all right well i hate to wrap up but what have we not touched on what have we not hit Ugh. that you are you know really hot on this session so starting to deal with our racist past oh oh yes <laughs> yes yes i can't believe that that wasn't like at the top for me yeah. since you know we have um just voted to ask y'all if richmond can have control of the monuments yes. on our property yes so they're they're bills to give you that give the city give all cities <laughs> mm -hmm. that authority i'm sure um, charlottesville would be appreciative as yes, well yes. yes there is a bill to remove the robert e lee statue from the u.s congress and establish a process and a commission to identify who who we will replace him with mm -hmm. there are bills to repeal racist laws that while they have been struck down are still on the books i've got one that includes a number of 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 laws including the racial integrity act of 1924 which i know we're just <laughs> shaking our heads yeah. over here you I guys can't one. see us but we're just like oh i saw one in there about um marriage and and yeah uh, having to 
put down like your race on, on the, the, on the birth certificate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then um, there's some bills that, you know, the governor had a press conference yesterday. I think one day is like a week at the General Assembly, but um, <laughs> announcing um, bills to increase funding for the maintenance of, of African-American, historic African-American cemeteries, increasing and putting more funds in for historic markers uh, for African-American related, or not just African-American, but telling a more complete story through our historic markers and um, dealing with telling accurate history in school. And the yes. Curriculum. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's about time. I mean, mm-hmm. so that would that require a lot of um, like textbook review and mm-hmm. things like that? Because that would be really amazing. As I remember going to Chesterfield County Schools and having, you know, the Civil War called like the War of Northern Aggression. Like, are you kidding me? Chow. Right. Who fired the first shot? Mm. I'm just saying. Yeah. What was the war about again? Mm. Oh, yes. Well, there's. The Confederates keep coming back and <laughs> giving us revisionist history, you know, every time uh, Dr. Jones puts a paper forward. So I think it'll be really nice to um, have a friendly GA when it comes to these issues and giving localities control because yeah. the, the Dillon rule really does, you know, hamstring yeah. um, a lot of us uh, with what we want to do, what we want to change in our in our cities and our towns. I think it's about time that we all become more reflective of our citizenry. And rolling down Monument Avenue is not being, for us, it's not really the the face we want to put forward. Uh, We can do better. And it doesn't doesn't erase history to change things or to add context. It doesn't do that. It it makes things better and more accessible. And yeah, well, and it's it, there's also a bill to get rid of the Harry Bird statue on uh, which you know at the Capitol. But it wasn't so. Huh. <laughs> so I uh, I believe that a Republican put that forward, right? And um, it's kind of like, hey, I'm going to own the libs because Harry Bird was a mm-hmm. Democrat back when I know, right? When. We were different parties. You know, the parties were a little switched up there. But um, yes. it seems like <laughs> I think it'll be fun um, <laughs> when that actually goes through. And For those of you who can't see, I'm making a, uh-huh. the face <laughs> ever. Like, what the hell ever? Take him take him down and take all the rest of them down, too. And you know what? There are places for him. We can find places for We can for have him. a museum. And we can replace them with really wonderful, representative people. So, speaking right? of which... Um, and I do have to put a shout out for the Monument to Emancipation and Freedom. Yeah. That the King Commission has been working on. If all goes well, it will be finished and unveiled on Browns Island this summer. Mm. Um, we are still raising money for it. We are a little bit less than $200,000 away from being finished. Oh, we have some cash to donate towards that, you know. I mean, yeah, well, we're the we, cause. we have coins. Come on, people. Well, we have the reason I say that now is we have a screening of a documentary that features the monument uh, called 400 Years Free-ish. 400 Years Later Free-ish that Listen. is <laughs> <laughs> uh, going to be shown. We're, the King Commission is showing at Virginia Union on Saturday, January the 18th. Uh, it's $25, um, or if you want to be a sponsor, there'll be a sponsor's reception if you want to give 500 or more. Students are free, um, and the screening is going to be at 2 o'clock at the chapel. So 
Um, you can learn more about that. I tweeted out about it, or you can go to the MLK Commission's uh, website or follow us on Facebook. But um, if you are wanting to make sure we get more monuments up that tell a complete story, you can help us finish this one. Yes, so repeat that date, time, and place again just so everybody it knows. It is January 18th at Virginia Union, 2 p.m. at the chapel. Uh, tickets are $25. Sponsorships start at $500. Students are free. There you go. Well worth it. Absolutely. Well, I think that's it for us today. I wish we lot. had more time. <laughs> I know it's a lot. It, but it we makes want, me want to yeah. go to the GA, but I can't because I have a job. Well, that's why we have, have live 12, streaming. We have 12 uh, jobs. Yes. I can't go. And there's a lot going on, and I'm sure we didn't cover everything, but we do like to, you know, get as much information on what you're, you know, what you're working on this session. Well, thank you. So that, um, so that folks are informed. If folks do want to talk to you and reach out to you, how can they do that? So the office number is 698-7509. Uh, email is district09 at senate.virginia.gov. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Jen McClellan, VA, two N's. There you go. Um, and if you are not on my email list for my weekly newsletter, you can sign up at my website, jennifermcclellan.com. Look at that. Look at that. That's fantastic. There you go. Well, thank you so much for thank visiting you, us ladies. again. Yeah. And come back and see us. Come back and see anytime. us anytime. Yep, yeah. anytime. Give us an update. We'll do it. Yeah. Well, good luck. Thank you. Maybe after, maybe crossover. Yeah. There you go. All come right. back. All right. Come back. And bring some friends with you. Okay. <laughs> bring friends. Yeah. Man, on Fridays, everybody's just like ready to go. I know. I know. We'll, br we'll feed them. We'll, we'll, we'll give them some incentive to come. <laughs> we'll feed them. You want to take us out, friend? Sure. Richmond, you know what time it is. If you want to continue this conversation or start another one, hit us up at RVA Dirt on all platforms. And as always, thank you guys for listening to our show this week. And we hope that we see you again. You know, Flint still has dirty water and now so does New Jersey. RPS is fully funded this year. We need to start working on next year and the year after that and the year after that. And the years to infinity and beyond. We would like that too. Thanks, Buzz Lightyear. Mm -hmm. And as always, Richmond is still racist, but we're working on it. Talk to you next week. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol. Well, it's been a long, long journey to the capital city. A long, long way while I'm sitting in committee. But I know I'll be a law someday.